Well, the end of 2023 was eventful on our beat. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I just think the entire year was an eventful year. It wasn't a sleepy one. Uh, since we last talked, the OpenAI coup, the Insomniac hack, uh, now hacked Rockstar in a hotel room with a phone guy. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a few weeks, man. <laughs> Lapsus guy. The, the Insomniac hack is pretty fresh and pretty it's crazy. Very, it was, I thought it was like the story we were going to talk about, about crazy stuff that happened in hacking games. <laughs> and then like I turned the page and it's like, you wouldn't believe what this guy did with a fire stick or whatever he did it with. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a wild ride. Not to mention the good old crypto. I, I was reading a crypto summary for this year the other day and it was just talking about <laughs> the collapse of all of the Titans and like, you know, the SEC is like, loosely pandering to the to the crypto market they haven't allowed or denied the eft's but there's like all of this sure discussion about whether it's a massive rug pull so like it's inflated the value of like bitcoin obviously and now everybody's talking about like well if these eft's don't get approved like that's essentially going to be a rug pull and it's like okay well oh my God. <laughs> so, so, i don't know there's, there's tons to tons to get into so we can get into that yeah it's been quite the year in crypto Quite the year in artificial intelligence, quite the year in hacking, quite the month, um, quite the end of the year. Uh, happy New Year's to everyone listening to this. Let's get into it. This is the Hacked Year in Review. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. How you doing, Jordan? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Uh, I know how you're doing. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I have my annual sinus infection. It comes uh, like clockwork every year at this time mm-hmm. and uh, turns my sinuses into balloons and puts a Fun. bunch of pain in my head and makes me take a bunch of you know non-prescription drugs and sleep a lot. So that's, <laughs> that's what I'm up to. Got those dark web smart drugs just pumping <laughs> through your system. I think before we started recording, you said you're at a hard four, which is just very telling. I'm uh, I'm 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 mostly on the neocitrin. That's my dark web drug of choice. Mm. So yeah, that, uh, that that hard hardcore shit. I've got I've got drugs in my body and coffee on my lips, and that's keeping me going. So I hope that's good enough <laughs> well, for you people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh, hey man it's the end of the year it's the end of like the limbo week when people will be listening to this we're keeping it loose man we're just talking about the year we got through um, yeah that's what we're here to do today is there a real name for holiday limbo week uh, there's I, I don't even know but i feel like and maybe this is just me but i feel like this year it's not just this week. I feel like holiday limbo week dates back like to the 10th. Like I feel like people started checking out this year earlier than I'd ever seen. <laughs> it's like, just the vibe of the year. Just the vibe of the year. Like I stopped getting response, like replies to emails. And like if I did mm. get a reply, it was like, let's just pick this up in the new year. And it's like, sure. There are 20 Sensible. working days. There are 20 working days left in this year. <laughs> there are weeks left. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. funny. Meanwhile, I just had, I just came out of my last meeting of the year today. And for anyone listening to this, we recorded it a few days before when you're listening to it. Um, but not that far before 
So some people are working right up to the line. Yeah. I think my fellow procrastinators, I, I, I see you and I appreciate you. Um, but if you're listening to this, it's you've just gotten through limbo week, December 26th to January 1st, between which time is an illusion. I hope you're well. I hope you <laughs> treated yourself terribly. I hope you were lazy as heck. Uh, yeah, I think it's the perfect time to look back on a pretty wild year in totally. What are we talking about here? Tech, hacking, security, crypto, just internet nonsense. It's it's been quite the year, man. Yeah, well, I think I think you know we both instantly messaged each other on this story the other day, and it's it's the mm-hmm. the teenage leader of Lapsus um, has just been given one of the most insane like prison sentences, if you want to call it that. I would call it that. I've ever seen. So he's 18 years old and was given a life sentence in essentially a secured hospital or, you know, I don't know what we call those these days, but essentially an institution. He's been institutionalized as he has demonstrated that he is unwilling to change and has like a a need to violate things in a cybersecurity sense. So they've deemed him unfit to stand trial and they've essentially committed him. Uh, for as, as long as it needs, as he's such a high risk, given the, the I don't know, the, the my brain is completely not functioning today. Hard <laughs> for. Given the scale <laughs> of the hacks that he has executed, which is, for is, sure. is crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's a pretty wild story. The coverage of it is kind of its own little story. Arian Kurtaj, 18-year-old hacker associated with Lapsus, the rest of this sentence is prickly because the BBC, Verge, a lot of really big name places ran the headline sentenced to life in prison. And there's a very important qualification. He's been placed under an indefinite hospital hold. Totally. Um, yes. Which is wild. And the story is wild. And you don't need to go to he will serve life in prison for it to be wild. And I think that is an important qualification um, to this whole wacky uh kind of dark situation. The story that's been going around is British judge determines that Kurtage poses a high risk to the public due to his, as you said, stated intent to continue committing cyber crimes and has been placed under indefinite hold. This is after a cyber attack against several companies, including rockstar games who makes GTA six, which dog we got to talk about <laughs> uh, Uber and Vidya uh, he's been deemed unfit to stand trial and has been sort of placed under this uh, secure hospital hold indefinitely. Kurtage was under, it was, he was basically out under bail, staying in a hotel room. Uh, and he was able to use a smartphone and it sounds like an Amazon fire stick and a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse I've heard mm-hmm. to do this rock star hack. Um, quite, quite, as, as, as something, something right there. Um, I have questions about this. <laughs> my, my first question is, yo, what's your rig? Like, I want to know specifically what phone were you using? Were you running Dex? Were you able to get Linux going on it? Were you using the Fire Stick as an external display and it was basically just a computer? Like, I specifically want to know uh, what the rig was. But this uh, teenager was able to get a hold of a bunch of Grand Theft Auto 6 footage back in September, leak it, and causing an alleged financial and reputational damage of about $5 million bucks to Rockstar is the sort of number that's been floating around a little bit. Um, it's quite the story. The, the Let's just talk about the hack initially, because... Jordan's immediate response is like, oh my God, is this one, is he the chosen one? 
<laughs> given the, but it's like at the end of the day, smartphones, even yeah. fire, even like like Android 100%. boxes for your TV at this point are essentially micro computers. Like they're completely full blown. Like an Android phone is a full blown Unix like computer essentially with its own multiple radio internet connections. Like they're they're supercomputers, which is crazy. Like yes. if I go back to my youth, like the idea of what my iPhone is today is wild. But yeah, he I I assume his rig was. Fire stick to the TV projected yep. from his phone, Bluetooth keyboard mouse in, probably exactly rooted it, made it into a Unix box, and then went went from there. But yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I think crazy. Also, personal opinion. I don't think there was a lot of damage done to GTA Six and Rockstar. Sorry, guys. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I, I I got very excited to see these leaks. So, um, which is I think a great transition to our next thing to talk about, which is GTA Six is coming. GTA Six is coming. I want to briefly dwell on the fact. This is a small detail. The press photo that was going around uh, for this story. I don't know why this yes, was the only photo. Yes, yes. was of uh, Arian Kurtage. On a boat holding a very large fish. And I'm glad his face was blurred. He was a minor at the time that this happened. And that's a huge qualifier to this whole story. But it is pretty funny. Just the same photo of this fish over (laughs) and over and over and over again. Um, Anyway, yeah. Grand Theft Auto 6. I I believe that was a shark. Is that a shark? I believe it's a small shark. shark. He's holding a tiny shark. I, I, I misspoke. He's holding a tiny shark. The other, the other thing I want to talk about images related to this story, like in publishing, is that a lot of the publications that I saw were actually just using Grand Theft Auto promo images. So there's this massive story running about this kid sure. receiving this, sure. like you know, I would say contemporarily unprecedented institution sentence, medical sentence. Yeah. And and, and sure. It, we'll let historians debate the language, yeah, yeah. but yes, a pretty wild uh outcome. And uh and the imagery that they're running with it is like Grand Theft Auto Six coming twenty twenty five. And I'm like, 100%. what are you talking about bad PR? This is getting millions and millions and millions of dollars in free PR. A hundred percent. And then you look at the album art of the Grand Theft Auto. If it didn't say Grand Theft Auto floating above these two characters' heads, you would think that this was the hackers. And you're like, wow, they're they're really thriving in that Miami beach. I think I think perfect time to cue the sirens in the background for you as well. Just reminds it's me really of Grand fantastic. Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, we're in limbo week. Normally I mute myself when the sirens go past my house. Um, but they're thematic right now. But we're I playing think. it loose. They're yeah. thematic. They're I think thematic. this is this is part of the vibe of the year in review episode. It's looser, isn't it? <laughs> it a little less looser. edited, you might say, because we're on a break. <laughs> um, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 6. You catch that trailer, man? I did catch the trailer. It looks wild. Yeah. It looks wild like the the idea of doing like a florida because like florida is a meme of its own right like they chose yes it's brilliantly yes. it's like like florida man is like its own meme but florida in itself and like dade county if you like go on the internet and just look up anything to do with florida it's just endless reels of insane videos and photos and stories and i think that that is just content heaven for the gta team so much of that trailer was really lovingly recreated like mm-hmm. cell phone videos of crazy Florida stuff. Totally. And I saw someone assemble a, a sort of like mirror cut of all of, they found the original TikToks and reels and whatever it is. 
that clearly had informed some of the stuff you're seeing in that trailer. Of course. Uh, and they sort of had them side by side. Very entertaining. I think one of the characters from that trailer has threatened or is in the process of suing Rockstar oh my God. for allegedly using his uh, his appearance, which I'm reminded, I think actually happened on 4 or 5 with Lindsay Lohan, yeah. who, who alleged that one of the characters on the front of the cover was clearly inspired by her. I would say uh, the Florida Joker man uh, might have a better case <laughs> that it is riffing on him, but, uh, uh, you know, true life is stranger than fiction, so I'm not really sure where that, that line lays. I don't know if you're a new listener to this podcast, but Jordan and I occasionally find ourselves discussing video games and GTA yes. has been a running theme for years. Mm -hmm. Just given the fact that GTA five was such a masterfully built game and we're both very what? excited for GTA six. Totally. One of the best to do it. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens. Uh, yeah. Curious to see what's going to happen with the Aryan Cartage case. I thought, that our discussion about games and game hacking was going to be the insomniac hack that had happened like four days ago. Yeah. I thought that was going to be the big end of year gaming story. Uh, ransomware group Rysida uh, announced that they're holding this massive trough of insomniac data demanding 50 Bitcoin, which is about 2 million bucks. Um, or they're going to drop this 1.67 terabytes of data, 1.3 million files HR documents, Slack communications, employee passport scans, like a really, really big leak in doxing. Um, thought that was going to be the big story. And it's, it's pr pretty big. Like, cause it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Apparently there are playable versions of Wolverine floating around the internet at this point. They have dropped some of the data. Ooh. That's and, and it's a big deal. Like this is a big, That's like rough. maybe, maybe one of the largest hacks I've seen in regards to they've taken something hostage, they didn't pay and then they actually released the entire thing. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen the exact pieces of data, but apparently there are fully playable, you know, alpha versions of the new Wolverine game for download mm. on the internet, which is crazy. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's looking like it was a, a remote access phishing attack, which is pretty expected for this thing. It does create like a really interesting... These two stories dropping side by side, and in such recent history, we've had Rocksteady Studios hacks, Warner Bros. hacks, CD Projekt Red hacks. Like, large gaming institutions at this point have become some of the biggest targets for ransomware. And I think probably because there's like a lot of overlap culturally between cybersecurity, infosec type communities, like totally. hacker spaces and people that just really love games and they want to see what game's coming out next. Yeah. Um, there's a big prickly complicated conversation about the impact these things have on the staff and the teams, what it means to even report on them. It's complicated. Um, but it's definitely accelerating Yeah, is the thing that I feel like I'm noticing is that games companies are becoming the sort of like target du jour for a lot of these groups because they, they're both culturally relevant and they got a lot of money. It is like this, this hack is fascinating. I, I agree with you largely that this, they do seem to be accelerating in this space. I do also mm -hmm. agree that like. Hacking is a very interesting puzzle game. And if you like puzzle games, you probably play other puzzle games. That's a great point. That's a really good point. <laughs> so no, that is. It's like it, it's it's the, there's a self-selecting group thing going. Exactly. On exactly. The, this this like there's been other releases and other hacks and like, you know, some some 
pre-alpha gameplay videos and things like that. Like mm-hmm. there's been been a bunch of what I would call less serious. They're still very serious, but like less serious where this was sure. like, you know, all of the texture art files, the 3D, the engine projects, the level designs, the code and the logic wow. in the gameplay. Like this is, they, they got access, it seems like, to the entire build of the game or, and a bunch of other stuff. Like it wasn't just Wolverine. Sure. Like I think they have Spider-Man stuff in the data. Like it was terabytes and terabytes of data apparently and, and, and like critical stuff, like high value IP stuff. So it's like really, hmm. really, really bad. I feel terrible for the Insomniac team. I actually know somebody on the Insomniac team and, and probably should fire him a message and see if he's doing okay. But that's, it's bad news. Bad news. I think what I've really learned from this is we shouldn't have fire sticks in hotel rooms anymore. <laughs> I think you, you can buy them at like 7-Eleven. So. <laughs> I know. I know. It is interesting to think about how much that whole, uh, shouldn't keep calling it a rig, uh, how much that setup probably uh, ended up costing. Well, the, 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 the truth is the yeah. fire stick was only saving his eyes so he didn't have to look at the tiny screen on that's his true. smartphone. That's really, that's really true. <laughs> so, yeah, you're just using... It did make me think when I read that story, I kind of just glanced over at my phone and I was thinking about Dex. I was thinking about that Samsung. I think it's Samsung's proprietary idea of the smartphone that you can connect to a display and connect the peripherals and it just functions as a as computer. A computer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting road to go down. That's something that I wouldn't be mad about. If suddenly iPhones could kick out an iPad OS signal to an external display in a few years, I would, I think that would be cool. I thought I had, um, I had this idea probably 2004. I was like, at some point we're going to quit having, you know, centralized servers and sit down and log in with mm-hmm. credentials and it logs you into like a, a terminal session in like, you know, when you're on a university campus, and you like yes. go into a computer lab and you like log into a computer and it like, you know, it's kind of your profile, but it's like kind of on the network. Yep. It's like, I just carry my computer with me everywhere. Like, when am I just going to get to sit down mm-hmm. and like jack this thing into a little like terminal and then boom, you know, originally I thought it'd be like a USB key, but then once smartphones came out, it's like, bang, totally. it's like everything you need is right here. Your entire profile can go with you everywhere, especially with things like iCloud and Google cloud and, and the cloud. Totally. So, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's already got a it's already got all the routers in it. It's already happened to have a really good camera in it. Mm-hmm. I can already connect a Bluetooth keyboard to it. <laughs> a lot of these people have already figured out how to get mouse input working on a mobile interface that isn't I mean it's not great, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're we're a better part of the way there. Yeah. Uh, and when Apple decides they like money less and don't <laughs> want to sell you two devices, they could probably slap a uh, you know, a a nice, a reasonable desktop computer inside of an iPhone. And I'm sure that day will happen any minute now. <laughs> I think they're, they're making the one that goes on your face first because the, uh, yes, this is true. <laughs> I'd be intrigued if they had actually, they probably must've given the people at Apple and what they do. I would have assumed that somebody inside of Apple built essentially an iPad dock for your phone and you just sure. like slide your phone in. It has an extra battery life, has a bigger screen and essentially you just dock your phone into it and it turns your phone from a, seven inch device into a 14 inch device. Like I don't, they, totally. they must have played with that idea or built it. And, and had I would it. imagine the second they got a working USB C iPhone, 
Yeah. They're like, well, we're 95% of the way here. <laughs> like we already know how to make this desktop basically scale up to uh, this OS basically scale up to a desktop with iPad OS. Like totally. Let's just give it a run. And I'm sure we're, wow. I'm sure it's working somewhere in an office in Cupertino. MacBook MacBook Airs are essentially running iPad Pro components, so it, you know, you, totally. The the Apple ecosystem is so, you know, integrated that they could you can run OS you know, X on your, probably on your iPad or your phone, probably wouldn't run, run great, mm -hmm. but essentially, <laughs> <laughs> essentially iOS is a tuned down version of that. So it's like the same, yeah. same thing. It's all, you know, FreeBSD kernel Unix with a pretty interface. So, mm -hmm. so quite the end of the year in terms of hacking, specifically hacking gaming stories, uh, quite, quite the year in terms of big hacks. We've, we've talked a lot about, a, about a lot of them. Uh, mm. You had the Vegas hack. The other two big stories I think this year that we really need to talk a little bit about um, are going to be AI and crypto. Um, we spent a lot of time, which one of those should we start with? Where do we go next? I think, I think a really easy one for us to go into is AI. I think there's a lot of things that we could mm -hmm. chat about in AI where, Oh, did something happen since we've last chatted in the world of AI? You know what? I just, I just, <laughs> I just had a memory of us doing last year's end of year wrap up. And it was right yeah. after ChatGPT was announced. And it was like, we, we, we chatted about it during the end of the year wrap up. And it's interesting. Here we are one calendar year later, looking at the impact that it's made, not only the like shit show that the business community is having, but the actual impact that 100%. it's made. So, yeah. Yeah. We can talk about the open AI coup. I'm K. I have a, I have a name for that. I'm trying. Everyone called it the failed coup, and I think that that is a failure of imagination. <laughs> I've been calling it the OpenAI uh, coup de na. Never mind. <laughs> coup de na. I like that. Coup de coup de na. Never mind. Coup Bring it back. Nah. I think that's what happened there. Okay, nah. Forget <laughs> it. Get back in here, Sam. That's good. That's, that's good. what I'm calling that's that. That's good. That's like yeah. Coup de na. Never mind. Yeah. Coup de na. <laughs> oh yeah. We're swinging big. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been quite the year. I was thinking about that too. Like. There was this little New Year's Eve AI sandwich where Midjourney had come out mm. and ChatGPT was like being murmured a little bit. Sure, I think it was right at the end of last year. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, and then in November the previous year we'd gotten Dolly and Midjourney. There was a sense that something was going to be happening. Also, if anyone's interested and wants to hear us talking about sort of the discourse state about image generation a year into it, check out our last episode with Sean Shan. It's a really mm. fun conversation with him about. Uh, a, a bit of the the response to that, but OpenAI and ChatGPT represented this massive shift in how we see AI in these tools. Microsoft being a significant owner of OpenAI, it also represented the beginning of battle lines being drawn in traditional big tech. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has aligned itself with OpenAI. Google, meanwhile, has just been Googling all year, just Googling it up. <laughs> in a very googly way they're like we have 19 different products would you like google assistant powered by bard built on top of gemini turbo which is it's like whoa guys you gotta <laughs> pump the brakes they've dropped 17 things um the thing i found interesting so there's this benchmark called mmlu uh, it stands for massive multitask language understanding it's a set of discipline-based tests you could have one for econ, physics, social sciences, pick a thing. And it can be done by both a model and a human. It yeah. combines multiple choice text, reading comprehension, university level math. 
it's a really good thing for comparing how humans are doing at something to how these models are doing at something. The benchmark for a human expert in a field, say you gave a law one to an MMLU or a physics one or something, a human expert, I think the, the number we've been using for a few years is 89%. That's what you're looking for, for like really good. good expertise good. and one of the really good An average human on like a, a niche thing. Like you give me an MMLU on like American law, I'm going to get 30% at like, I'm just guessing basically. <laughs> expert 89. Chat GPT over the course of the year had bumped, I think a spread of about five points on the MMLU. I believe 3.5 was clocking in at like in the eighties and then four was in the mid eighties which is really remarkable. Google, and this announcement comes with a lot of asterisks because it was a very flawed announcement that played a video that kind of misrepresented some of what the tech can do. But their new model, at the end of this big first year, they're saying it just cooked past 90%. That's crazy. Human expertise, 89. Google saying they hit 90. I think if you told us that anecdote three years ago, we would say, oh, you're like cross some sort of delta. And that just sort of casually happened in a press release at the end of this year. And I think it speaks to what a wacky year it's been in AI. Yeah. I think there's, I think AI is, is, I think it's become such a talking point, like in the finance world. Like if you're, yes. if you're a tech company and you don't have AI, if you, if you went, <laughs> if you went into a quarterly earnings call and we're not talking about AI, your stock fell 4%. If you went into a, <laughs> if you went into a into a into sure. a quarterly call and you said that you had the latest greatest AI, your stock popped four percent, and it's like I, I feel like we see totally. that like every company is creating an AI product, whether it's good or not. You know, you've got Twitter X is making one, you've got Google's got mm-hmm. eighteen, you've got Apple and a pet rumored to have one coming. You know, Microsoft partnered with OpenAI. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just seems. I'm still excited to see one of these things actually do something for me that I don't hate. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Like mid, actually, I'll say, I'll say mid journey. Like when I when I'm talking about text based things, and and actually, I, I should recall that getting it to write basic pieces of code for you very helpful. Be like, hey, you know, I very need to cool. need a sort and search function for this. Blah blah blah. You know, optimize it for this, and bang, it like pumps it out. Pretty great. You know, very threatening mm-hmm. to my career as a software developer. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the, but like mid-journey, I will say that some of the art that I've seen coming out of those things, like compared to the early days of like Dolly and stuff, very, very good. They're very cool. V6 is, yeah, yeah. Is, is making the rounds right now. And it's like, oh, you're, you're trudging up on, they're all starting to specialize on different things. I saw someone doing a comparison of, of prompt understanding mm-hmm. and Dolly's, the new version of Dolly's, which is producing, I think, meaningfully worse results than Midjourney, mm-hmm. has significantly better prompt understanding. Mm. It was able to like parse through the text and make a very, very good... It, it got it. It got it exactly what, what the wanted. person was asking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. It knew what you wanted with a level of like... But just couldn't make it. It, it just didn't... It didn't do as great a job, Um but meanwhile, Midjourney, which has, I think, worse, really in-depth, granular prompt understanding, like not great at text, is getting the photorealism on a totally different level. Yeah. Like that, those V6 images that are coming out right now are out of control. Yeah, not even um, just photorealistic stuff, I'm, like just everything. Like anything that I see coming out mm-hmm. of Midjourney now, I'm like, wow, this actually looks pretty good. It's quite, it's quite good. Yeah. 
and it's being generated very quickly. And it's built on a problematic foundation. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it sure is. And anyway, there's a, a, a very dark story. I don't think, I don't know if this is the vibe. There's a very dark story about the Lion 5B uh, training data set. You don't need to get into it. It's worth a Google, though. Uh, there's We're starting to learn more about the massive repositories of data that these things are based on that have, have essentially been black boxes up until this point. There's information that is inside of those training sets that we're all using tools built on that we just don't know what's in there, and people are starting to find some of the stuff that's in there. And it is pretty bad. Um, on the topic of different companies rolling out these new models... Amazon, this is a small one, but I, I noticed that Amazon's play in this, they're rolling out one called Bedrock. And I found this really interesting. Their observation seems to have been, these tools are powerful, but they're a privacy nightmare. Recent uh, explorations into prompt injection mm -hmm. with ChatGPT's new agents have revealed that some of the prompt injecting hacks can actually reveal training data, mm. which is uh, catastrophic for privacy. The the one that everyone was using was um, getting it to repeat a word infinitely. And at a certain point, it starts, the model will start kicking back uh, nonsense, it seemed like. After it says the word toaster 50 times, it just starts saying chaos. And people started figuring out that in some cases, that chaos was training data. Mm. It was stuff that it had been trained on. People were finding uh, like email, phone number, and signatures buried in this stuff that referred to real people. Crazy. Um, so there's some privacy issues, and Amazon's response to that seems to be, well, what if we let you build your own models using corporate data without accidentally contributing that data to the underlying model? That is the way they're specializing. Yeah. is just your stuff isn't going to get fed into the monster that someone else might be able to, with a good prompt hack, pull back out. I'm like, oh, so the emergence of the privacy specialization in these models is beginning. Mm -hmm. That's new. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Well, I think, and like again, like we've talked about that a number of times. Where I think the natural, totally. the natural next big first step for this is is like internal models for law firms and for sure people like that who can train it, you know, teach it, teach it what policies and procedures look like, and then just generate them in real time and things like that. Like I think that's where there's going to be a ton of value add in the short term. Long term, you know, yes. That's a different conversation. Who knows? Yeah, but part of yeah. the part of the adoption and the training of these models, part of the the power that we will give them will start with small steps <laughs> to make our lives easier. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. We'll just hand over more and more to old Sammy. Um, <laughs> Sammy, which is uh, not Sammy. It's all old. Sa Coup de not. We should talk about that. It's funny. We did two episodes where we were like, let's go bring in some other people to talk with us. And we talked with Sean about Nightshade. And we talked with Talking Sasquatch about Flipper Zero. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And meanwhile, one of the biggest new tech companies on the world was losing its goddamn mind. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, was fired by the OpenAI board for, quote, not being consistently candid with the board. We still don't know what that means. Yeah. I believe to date we still haven't received a like public statement from the board that digs into why any of this happened. But about a week later, after a series of Sam is taking meetings at the building, yeah, Sam is talking with the board level of like um, kind of breathless coverage, a sort of very public Twitter campaign from a bunch of AI staff, you know, pledging their support to him. Sam Altman was then brought back as 
the CEO of Microsoft watched from a tower somewhere, making sure it was so. I'm sure. I'm sure the Microsoft jet was fueled and sitting on the runway, <laughs> waiting to fly in and scoop up the entire OpenAI team the second they all quit. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, because he he'd been he was briefly hired by them. I think that they like put this they put a, a piece down on the on the playing board saying like he will just come do an OpenAI at Microsoft yeah. if you stand by this yeah. decision. We we have given uh, him a two hundred million dollar profit share or equity check or contract and we are bringing him and the entire team on board and open AI will now be just Microsoft's AI. But that didn't happen. But that didn't happen. It didn't end up needing to happen. Yeah. So instead, the coup d'etat resulted in former president of the board, Greg Brockman, who has now resigned. There is now a new board that consists of Brett Taylor, Larry Summers, and Adam D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Um, some folks that are a little bit more aligned with Sam Altman. The the big meta narrative that came out of all this was that this was a conflict between the sort of um, safety oriented side of the company and the more forge ahead side of the company. I don't want to, there's a lot of terms floating around Silicon Valley about effective altruists versus effective yes. accelerationists. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't want to get into that world quite yet, but the sort of, that was the big story that framed this was this idea that, um, and it concerns the mystery of the Q model, which no one quite knows what it does yet. But the idea was that sort of Altman and some cohorts had crossed some big sort of boundary and were accelerating forward and taking a big, massive step. The safety oriented side of the board was concerned about this. Um, and that's where the conflict started to emerge. Who knows? That could turn out to be what it was. It feels that story emerged so quickly in all this that it, my gut was that it was a drastic like oversimplification of what was probably actually going on. Totally. Um, it seems too clean that it was the like futurists versus the fearful. I'm like, no, that's too simple. Like that. I, I don't think that's probably what actually happened. Could there be shades of that? Yeah, I guess we'll see in 2024. Well, the, the Q is actually a, like an AI term, eh? Like in machine learning. Hmm. It's, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, 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 when essentially in reinforcement learning, the, the the algorithm understands the value of output of a certain action, so it kind of allows oh. itself to start valuing things. So it it it, yeah. I wonder if that's what they've done. I wonder if that's where they're going. Oh, but, interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Huh. I, I feel like a big silly <laughs> nerd because I assumed. I guess like a lot of people. I'm guessing like many would. That uh, that it was a Star Trek Next Generation oh. nod. Oh, maybe it is. It could be that too. But I'll... no, I mean, yeah. See, the first time Q-learning. I heard it, I thought we were talking about QAnon, so I was less excited. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> like the vibe of this show is going to be really different in 2024. You're like they've made a QAnon model. It's like great. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I bet it's full of great ideas. Um, <laughs> The other big story, I think, from I mean, the other big story from AI this year, it was an ins- a wild year in AI this year. Another one that felt representative of something. And when we started talking about this at the end of last year, start of this year, it was, you know, Ch- ChatGPT 3.5 mm-hmm. was the vanguard of the tech. And then partway through the year, we got four and we said, I don't need this pesky 3.5. Mm-hmm. End of this year, Mistral, a French AI company, big one estimated value of about a couple billion bucks decided at the end of this year to release its latest large language model via a torrent 
They, they just gave it out. No prior explanation. They just dropped it. They just <laughs> put it out there in the world. I like that. Uh, Mistral X, 8X7B. Uh, it's currently outperforming some of the other open source models like Meta's Llama 2. Uh, and it seems to be beating ChatGPT 3.5 in certain benchmarks, which means that in the course of a year, the cutting edge state of the art of that technology that's, you know, sent OpenAI off on this crazy trajectory is now f- a similar product is now functionally open source. Hmm. Uh, and I think that tells you a lot about the development of where this is going. In our conversation with Sean, we talked about, you know, that the sort of liminal space between what the tech is doing and what the regulation needs to be doing and that really constantly changing shape. And I, I think it's just very telling that we also have to now contend with the open source side of this. That is going to become increasingly less niche mm. and increasingly more of a viable option for people to just run their own uh, LLMs locally using open source models. That's just going to get easier and easier and easier. Yeah, I think that, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think now that you're seeing more of these things exist in a space where you can get them locally, they're not just kind of controlled. I think it creates a a pool of interesting problems for, you know, (laughs) codifying morality and ethics into them as well as, uh, totally like, it's just, once they're out in the wild, they're going to learn and be, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like pets. If you have, (laughs) you know, if, if, if you're good dog owners and you train the dog, well, you know, dogs behave properly in social situations. If you're a bad dog owner, you train the dog poorly you know, you give it a lot of like negative reinforcements and stuff like that. All of a sudden the dog becomes a bad dog. And then that has external implications. I feel like we're going to see that in, in AI as well. You know, we're going to have good AI owners and bad AI owners. Sure. All of our ability. I think there's a very real chance. A lot of the regulation will come in the shape of, well, these, these are the bumpers. You got to put this bumper into your system. You got to put this bumper into your system. Wow. But um, we saw how fast they ripped those bumpers off with chat GPT three. Yeah, that's the thing. Exactly. And that's using their product. Yeah. That's not even talking about yeah, running yeah, your yeah. own version exactly. of a similar open source model. That's just breaking the one that has all the bumpers built into it. Totally. So it's, I, I think that prompt injection and prompt hack, like that world of figuring out how to talk these models into breaking themselves, it's going to kind of fork off from the, or you could just run your own model and have it do precisely whatever the heck you want. Yeah. And we're going to see that more and more in the coming years. Yeah. Very, very. I'm, I'm intrigued given how far we've come in one year, how far we'll come next year. The, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's going to yeah. be obviously something that we talk about until we can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements. But your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before. And your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. It is some cybersecurity and gaming. AI. I'm sure we summarized it in the last 18 minutes. Um, (laughs) The last one that seems, before we just maybe tear off on some small, strange, funny little stories to wrap it up, we should probably talk about crypto. Quite the year in crypto. The year that crypto got in grown-up trouble, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that makes me smile. I like that. That makes me laugh. I know it does. The, I think it was, I think, you know, I, I was reading an article by Ars Technica. It was the 2023, the mm. year of the fallen crypto, bro. I was laying in bed reading it this morning and I was like, ah, oh, this is a hard four. It's true yeah. because like, you know, this time last year we were <laughs> making jokes about how, you know, Sam Bankman fried was, had essentially fallen from grace. And then, yes. and then, um, what's the other guy's name? CZ. He runs uh, Iran. Oh, B- uh, Binance. Changpeng yeah, Zhao. Yeah, he's the he's what I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Changpeng Zhao. Totally. He he has now fallen from grace, and yeah, I think we're just. Yep. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. It's like the. <laughs> like people should just go read this article. It just kind of summarizes all of these insane things and like collapses. Like it actually talks about a lot of things that we talked about too over the course of the year, but it's just the, the, the amount of scamming is still so alive in the crypto space Mm -hmm. that the lack of regulation and the lack of control has just caused such an issue. You know, the, the, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they just continue to turn a blind eye to it. And I feel like (laughs) people are pushing them on both sides. People don't want them to, to, to regulate it and don't want it. They want, you know, more libertarianism, more wild, wild West, which they don't allow people to do in the normal equity space. Like I can't just go sell shares in my company to anybody on the side of the street corner, but it's like I can re- create a fake security called a ICO, sell a bunch of tokens off, which doesn't give you any <laughs> equity and control in my company. 
And then people have zero regulation of that. It's like, how, how is this any different to like, yeah. you know, old stocks, scams and frauds? Like, and I, I just don't understand how people have let it get this far. People that are in power have let it get this far. And I don't understand why they're even remotely considering allowing exchange traded funds to spot price cryptocurrencies on regulated exchanges where people will trade regulated money. I just, it, it yeah. blows me away. Blows me. Like, I just do not understand. It's interesting. I feel like the FTX story this year, I feel like a generation of people that have certainly awareness of, you know, economic crime, for lack of a better word, are getting a little bit of a speed run through it in the context of the crypto space. Yeah. We won't get too much into FTX because we've talked about it at length on the show. But to make the distinction between it and what happened with, uh, Finance. Binance. And I think it is important to make is that FTX was a like a fund misappropriation based crime. Totally. It was that the money was supposed to go over here and it didn't. Like that, if you w- zoom out far enough, that's what that was about. Yeah. Um, how much of that money has ever been recovered will be recovered. A uh, complicated, interesting story. But that's what that was about. Binance very different is crime. sort of a case study in the, is a very, very different crime. And it's so useful to look at them as part of like a, like a dichotomy because Binance was all, wasn't about what the money was going towards. It was about where the money was coming from. There are laws about doing transactions with certain countries based on what country you're in doing financial transactions with Iran, Russia, Cuba. If you're in the U S is just, that's just not legal. You can think whatever you want about that, but there's a law against it. And for a very long time, if you existed in this crypto space, those laws didn't really apply to you. And for the first time this year, they applied billions of dollars in what are illegal transactions uh, inside of Binance. It came to a head and Chang Peng Zhao pleaded guilty, resigned, and along with the company faces significant financial penalties because not only were they... Uh, knowingly accepting money from people that they weren't supposed to receive money from. There's a lot of detail to dig into in that. They were uh, shopping for those clients. They were going out of their way to secure that money. Of course. Um, And those initial lax policies led to significant allegedly violations of U.S. money laundering laws. In any other space on earth, we would understand those as financial crimes. And for the last decade, there's been this little corner carved out where they were just sort of like special internet whoopsies. And this year, we all kind of went, uh, those are money crimes. It's, if you're saying this is money, those are money crimes. This is, this is, you're trying to decide how hard to go. <laughs> it's, it's just like you allow the creation of a shadow financial system. Yes. That is completely unregulated, that has, you know, elements of privacy and security. Like it has become the de facto tradable, I'm going to use quotes, air quotes here, currency of online <laughs> crime, of fraud, of yes. money laundering, of human trafficking, of, you know, you name it. Why did we let this happen? Like you, you sit down, you find me somebody out there, somebody out there, come and tell me, aside from the fact that cryptocurrency allows the transfer of money faster than traditional bank systems, a fault in our existing banking systems, not a fault in the currency. What other value does it offer that traditional currency doesn't, except for if you're human trafficking, buying firearms, 
buying illegal drugs. It is bad. We have allowed something bad to happen and people should be shutting this down rather than promoting it and sponsoring it. Like when I hear of people who work for large investment companies that are now (laughs) starting crypto divisions, it's like, sure, there's money to be made, especially because it's unregulated. Like, why do you think rug pulls exist? Like these used to exist in in stock problems a hundred years ago until the Securities Exchange Commission came around and said, we're going to allow something called a qualified investor. If you're going to invest seed capital in a company, then you have to meet these certain requirements to show that you can accept this loss. We don't have those in the crypto space. We don't even, we don't even consider them securities, but we allow people to use them like securities. And it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm a lawmaker in this situation, like I'm talking to you politicians, like you're the fucking problem. <laughs> Like, this is not okay. What you have done is not okay. Like, I'm going to pull up CoinMarketCap right now. CoinMarketCap, there's $1.7 trillion in cryptocurrency right now. That means that you have allowed a shadow economy to generate $1.7 trillion in wealth that typically wouldn't have existed. It's like that, I don't know, blows me away. Hmm. Binance Shopping for bad clients who have lots of money makes total sense to me. It's totally unregulated. They don't have to respond to anything. Like, it's it's money for them. It's like, why wouldn't they? You know, creating a platform where they get rewarded based on people doing bad things, of course they're going to go look for people to do bad things. I I tend to agree. I, I take the, like, to try and be generous, I get that currency that does not reinforce or depend on the power of the state is different from wanting a currency explicitly to do illegal things, things that are illegal in accordance with the state. I get why that would be appealing to someone. We talked about this in a previous episode. Like I, I get that root. I don't hold it. I'm not concerned about it, but I get why a libertarian person would feel that way. Maybe that's sure. a good way of putting it. Yeah, I- I'm not a libertarian. I get why you would feel that way. We are so far away from that right now (laughs) when we're talking about taking that asset and turning it into an exchange traded fund that is like the whole point is that that is regulated by the state that you are trying to escape and it's like right but it'll really pop off in value yeah it's like so i come back to the thing i've said before which is that it's not about that to a lot of you to a lot of people it's not about yeah it's a speculative asset it's a speculative asset and like you've if you want me to take any of this discussion seriously we we gotta at least acknowledge that. Well, the, the, it's a speculative the, asset. Oh, it's a spe- I want the speculative asset to go up in value because then it'll get more people into it, and then that reinforces my libertarian views. It's like, so you're you're cuddling up to the state to stick it to the state. No, <laughs> dog, it's, it's money. It's 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 and it's good money, and it might really be profitable. I'm not saying it won't go up. It might go to the moon, but I'm, I do take exception to that philosophical argument. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's an old yeah. saying in like startup worlds and tech where it's like, if your company is a feature of another product, it's not going to be a good product. You know, like yes, I think we've had this conversation. And, we've talked about this and that's true here too. And, yeah. That's a good point. And everybody, when I'm like, what is the value of cryptocurrency? They explain to me how it's better than a feature of the existing currency. And I'm like, sure. Hmm. But, but like, what is the, the current. like as, as a functional product, what what value does it bring the world aside from a bunch of negative value like where are the offsetting externalities in the positive space like it is entirely to me it is such a speculative asset 
that the SEC has just turned a blind eye and the governments have turned a blind eye to regulating, that it's allowed it to create such a problem that it's now covered on major financial news. Like if we turn into CNBC right now, we will see a bug on the screen that shows us the current value of, of specific cryptocurrencies. That is crazy to me. Like, like we're treating it like it's the valuation of Apple and Microsoft, companies that have balance mm-hmm. sheets, intellectual Stuff. property, reoccurring cash flows. When you buy equity in them, you become a part owner. They have reporting responsibilities to you, dividend responsibilities to you if so declared, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It gives you power as a shareholder. <laughs> if I go buy a crypt, like I take whatever, $42,000 and go buy a Bitcoin today, there's a good chance it'll just be stolen from me in a year. Like, and by, sure. by no means of my own, or I'll lose it. I'll put it on a USB key or a cold storage device that I forget the passcode to. Like, it's, I, I don't know, whatever. Let's change the topic. I'm done. 2023. <laughs> Fuck crypto. I'm fucking done with it. I don't ever want to talk about it again. <laughs> Dude, we got to record at a hard four more often. This is great. <laughs> I just want my go- goal for 2024. <laughs> I think in 2024, maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to start another podcast where I just bring people on and we just talk about crypto every month. And I just like, I want to get somebody in from an investment <laughs> bank who works in, in like an investor role. And I want them to sit across from me and explain to me the explain value this. that cryptocurrency brings well, to their portfolio, their <laughs> except for that it's a highly <laughs> speculative asset that is completely unregulated. It allows for manipulation. It's like, I just, and then vice versa. I want to bring on somebody who's like a climate justice advocate and be like, explain to me why you like crypto because all it's doing is consuming real utility, i.e. power, people's time, et cetera, and turning it into useless digital tokens. It's like, anyway, I'm going off. <laughs> On this episode of the Scott Winder Crypto Rage Cage, the <laughs> top tech podcast, uh, we're spinning off. <laughs> I think we get a Winkle. I think we get one or both of the Winkle losses. Oh, my God. Um, on next year. I think that's my goal. Uh, in terms of big ticket interviews, I would like to get a Winkle Vi on. I have so many questions and you are right we need to move on <laughs> just tacking that to the end of that sentence um okay so we've talked we should probably talk cut some crypto. of that out talked about, <laughs> talked about ai you'll know if we did if you didn't just hear that um talked about cybersecurity. I, I just want to do some miscellaneous ones, man. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're at an hour. I want to talk about some of these. My my favorite little story at the end of this year, or one of them, has been the Sega of the Blue Bubbles on Android. Have you been following the like 1700 stories about this? Loosely. Very, very loosely. Kay. No, good. It pops you, up you in my news More feed, respect for your time. And I... I largely ignore it as I kind of understand Wise. it and don't Good. care about it. Good. That's great. Well, I do. And I'm <laughs> going to talk about it now. Um, <laughs> it's so dumb and so unimportant, but I find it so interesting. And this idea of like, yeah, messaging app protectionism. It's so petty. So like two months ago, nothing, the Android phone OEM that makes like clear phones. I think it was Carl Pay, the OnePlus guy spun it up. They're cool, cool Android phones. They kind of just look like clear iPhones. Yeah. Uh, they have a wacky user interface. They decide, They announced that their Nothing Phone 2's messaging app is going to uh, support iMessage. You're going to be able to receive iMessages in the Nothing Phone app. They had partnered with uh, a secondary company whose basic business model involved uh, logging into... 
iCloud on a computer somewhere that they control. Mm-hmm. It'd be like a virtual machine or like a Mac mini somewhere sitting. They log in and they forward you the messages. That was their entire business model. Uh, nothing announces they're partnering with this company that will be brought natively to their nothing messages app. Nothing. The first Android phone that has iMessage, wait, never mind, because everyone freaks out at the massive privacy implications of logging into some random computer with your iCloud account. Totally. That gets shuttered immediately. Like the one of the fastest turnarounds on a story that I think I'd seen in a while. Almost faster than the OpenAI coup d'etat. Um then like a week later, another company called Beeper Mini says, but we've actually figured out a way to get uh, iMessage onto Android and it doesn't involve logging into an account. It involves like, we it's, it's a hack basically. We figured out a way to get this working um, and Apple will not be able to fix it. Boom, Apple immediately f- patches it. Yeah. Uh, Beeper Mini gets taken down. In his, like in two weeks, we had two, someone's coming for the blue bubble, wait, never mind. Someone's coming for the blue bubble, wait, never mind. And meanwhile, the really exciting story, which is that iOS is probably going to support RCS next year, yep. bringing more data to messaging, uh, responses, typing indicators, all the good stuff about iMessage except for the color. Uh, that just kind of went under the radar. And that's the really exciting story. I think in the world of messaging, and I just wanted to talk about that. <laughs> well, I think I think I think I think here here we sit again with a with a company that is a feature, not a product, and it's like hundred percent. If I like I like it, good good for you guys, Bleeper and totally. everybody else. Like all you're doing is forcing Apple's hand. If one of you actually solves it, bingo. All that's going to happen is that iMessage for Android will be released 24 hours later. I'm sure they already have it built. Like let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think it is interesting. I think that the RCS supports the real big news there. You know, even, even I've noticed in the last probably ninety days how group messaging with people on cross platforms has gotten better on iOS. So I'm assuming that mm. that's probably again just byproduct of people forcing their hands which I like because yes. not everybody has an iPhone. Not yeah. everybody has an Android. And I don't particularly love no. WhatsApp and don't particularly like, you know, any of the other messaging platforms. So prefer to keep it all, yeah. keep I, it all local, you know? Agreed. You should be able to talk to anybody on any <laughs> platform. I think the more interoperability we have, I think interoperability, those are, that's my, that's my software goals for 2024. I want everything talking to everything else as much as is safely possible. So there, there's, there's, a, there's a story that I want to talk about, which is Please. about sleep. So I don't know how you and your partner sleep, Jordan, but I sleep very <laughs> warmly and my wife sleeps very coldly. Uh. And we, yes, we have, we have looked at great detail about getting an eight sleep. I have a friend of mine that has one and he swears by it. He swears that you can have both sides of the bed. Mm. Like one can be a minus 10 and one can be a plus 10 and both parties that share a bed can have perfect sleeps. Like I wear a whoop. So I track a lot of my like heart and skin, respiratory rates, et cetera, heart rate variability. I track all of that stuff and how well my sleeps are. And if I sleep in a warm room in a hot bed, my sleep is probably 50% worse than if I sleep in a cold room in a cold bed. So it's like the value Mm. of that, like the value of the tech, the reason why I haven't gotten eight sleep is the point of the story. (laughs) Cause they try to know where you're going with this. Cause it's like they're expensive. So an eight sleep is essentially a water cooler heater 
that goes on your mattress and it has two zones and one half of the bed can be hot and one half of the bed can be cold. They cost a ridiculous amount of money, like three, $4,000. Okay. But then they charge you a okay. monthly subscription fee. And I refuse to pay a monthly subscription fee to have a $4,000 product I just bought work. And that drives me crazy. Oh, I, okay, yes. I got you. But the reason why they charge that fee is because they collect all your data. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They sure do. I was like, wait, is he getting towards the yes, data thing? Because yes. if it's just that it's about subscriptions, I'm like, no, I feel you, dog. No, no, but also no. there's a pretty big story about yep. this product specifically. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So not only am I paying a monthly fee for, for like no value to me, but I'm then just giving them access to all of my sleep information, quality of my sleep, what my preferred sleep mm -hmm. temperatures are, health information that I don't particularly want to give a mattress cooler brand. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's like, I don't know. So anyway, do you want to talk about the actual release of the data and when the story started from? Because I can just segue straight yeah. into that. But I feel like you know that part I mean, of it I'm ha and you want to hit it. So go I'm on. happy to, to spike it off. Totally. Uh, it was the weird. I, I made a little link towards this. I was like, we got to talk about this. Back when I thought we were going to talk about the open AI leak. So during the, the sort of crescendo of the Sam Altman open AI coup, um, the CEO of that company, Matteo Francaschetti, Francaschetti, Francis Matteo, Frank Francis. I'm Italian. I should know how to pronounce this. Fr yeah, Francis no, you, you ran. You walked right Kenny, into that one. It's Kenny. And he had all my practice rounds too. <laughs> Kenny, Francis Kenny, Francis Kenny. Uh, Matteo drops a tweet. He's the CEO of this company that says, breaking news, the open AI drama is real. We checked our data, and last night, San Francisco saw a spike in low-quality sleep. There was a 27% increase in, in people getting under five hours of sleep. We need to fix this. Source, eight sleep data. And I've never really seen a confession nested in the works cited of a tweet quite like that before. <laughs> but this, the real point of that is not that people in San Francisco aren't sleeping good is, hey, do you want to tell us more about this uh, window you have that tells us where people were sleeping well based on geography? Totally. Mateo, maybe you want to <laughs> want to tell us a little bit more about that? You just have this portal of access to personal information regarding people's like health and recovery. Totally. What It'd be like if Apple started like pumping out blind stats about people's like Apple Watch health things, <laughs> which honestly might just oh be God. good <laughs> if they did. The average person walks seven thousand feet steps a day. You only walk four. Maybe you should totally. But, but anyway. it, it, it's the like it's the <laughs> sharing of information based on geography. Like San Francisco is a big place. I get that no one is was doxed by that, but there's something very ominous about it. I I, I don't particularly like it when. Things that don't need to be on the internet are on the internet, like your washing machine, yeah. your coffee maker. I don't want those things. Like, I forgot what I was looking at the other day, like a fridge. And it was like, it can go on your Wi-Fi. I'm like, I don't want it on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> and it's like, this is one of those things where it's like, hey, I don't know why I have to pay you a monthly fee to use the hard physical product that you've put in my house. And, and then... I have to give it internet access so that you can steal information on me about it from it. It's like, not only am I paying a stupid monthly fee for nothing, that's no value added to my like, you know, sleep. The product is functioning as expected, whether it has an internet connection or not. I'm literally just paying to give you more information about me. And it's like, I don't, I don't love that. I don't love that business model. 
It's like, if I'm going to give you, pay you a monthly fee, then I want the product for free. If I'm going to pay you a monthly fee and give you personal information, then I want, you know, value from that information. I agree. I'm, I think I'm that ranting. that's, I'm in it's a almost ranty like a, mood today. <laughs> you're in a ranty vibe. Um, I think that, uh, there's three pick two type approach mm-hmm. to this totally. feels reasonable. Yeah. You can charge me money up front. You can charge me a subscription. You can gather my data, but so help you God, if you try <laughs> and do all three, I'm not even sure I'm comfortable with two. Yeah. The idea of charging me for a, pro- maybe it's just one. Now that I really think about it, it might be pick one. Yeah. Cause if you're going to charge me up front for the product, there's edge cases where a recurring subscription becomes necessary. I would hope you could figure out the cost of providing the service and bake it into the upfront price. I'd prefer that, totally. but I at least get that. But to be like, also we're going to harvest data on you. It's like, well then you can fuck right off with your fancy bed. Like totally. I'm not, no, thank you. Um, not for me. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty wild one. Uh, weird showing of your hand Mateo because it's now the second you said eight sleep is the only thing that popped into my head (laughs) and it was a self-inflicted injury I don't know why he did that um kind of adjacent to that there was this other story that uh I believe was Joseph Cox over at Forerfo Media great new tech media property totally that everyone should check out uh, broke this they're just crushing it right now they're so good um they, they dropped a story and it has to do with a marketing company and I wanted to talk to you about this one because it seems relevant to this eight sleep story. And it was that a marketing company had announced. So there's always been this, I'd go as far as to call it a myth that the reason your ads seem shockingly serendipitously accurate is because they're activating the microphone on your phone and listening to you. A lot of people are walking around with a vague sense. This is the case. As we've talked about in the show before, the truth is much more insidious. It's just the fact that your activity and the activity of other people on your sometimes literally same network uh, can be triangulated so accurately as to give it the sense of listening to you when in reality, it's just uh, predicting future behavior based on past behavior on the internet. Generally speaking, that's what's actually going on. They're not actively listening to you. This marketing company had a thing on their website claiming that it actually listens to your phone (laughs) and smart speakers to target you with ads. And the story went uh, quite viral as a result. The company CMG had this page on their website. By the time I got over to their website to try and find it, it had been taken down. But I was able to find it on the web archive, which I was quite pleased about. Uh, And the website reads, it's true your devices are listening to you. With active listening, CMG can now use voice data to target your advertising to the exact people you are looking for. Imagine this. Someone says, the car lease ends in a month, we need a plan. Or, do I see mold on the ceiling? And suddenly they're being targeted with ads for mold removal services or car leases. This is the sales pitch that CMG was putting out. This story goes viral. My initial instinct when I read this was that I actually think that CMG is probably just buying a massive repo of data purchased from somewhere else that includes audio-based data from exceptionally low-cost products that have somewhere in their terms and conditions that they're allowed to listen to you. Like person with totally $19 automated cat feeder that has a microphone doesn't realize it is legally allowed to listen. That, that quality data is getting into this thing that they have purchased that they are reselling to people. That was my guess, not that CMG had developed um, a nation state actor level compromise of all phones. 
that's kind of where I figured it was going. And the CEO shortly after confirmed that that was the case. This was them sort of upselling a repo of data they'd bought. And uh, they did it in a really bad way, and it got them in a, in a lot of hot, a lot of heat. When I, when I first saw this, I thought, this is a troll. Like, I thought it was like... Oh, interesting. Like, we have a friend who is a uh, strong ethical vegan, and he once was yeah. making a troll website about a restaurant where they fed dogs to people. <laughs> I don't know if I, you remember this... Oh, I, I more than remember it, but continue. As, uh, as, yes. as, as a way to troll meat eaters is like a way of, of like, yes. you know, what is the difference between eating one animal from eating another, you know, man's best friend. Of course. And, and I felt artful like tro- artful trolling, artful trolling. I feel like this is, was when I first saw this, I thought this was the same thing. I was like, this is mm. my mom's worst nightmare. Like this is, this, this is it. Like, yeah, sure. Like someone's talked to their mother yeah. enough to be like, yeah, the phones are listening to you. They definitely do. And it's like, we've, we've, we've known for a long time, like, and then I found out I should actually backtrack there. And then I found out that it's actually owned by like a massive, you know, conglomerate of companies, Cox Enterprises, they own ISP Cox Communications in the States, which we're not Americans, but a lot of people know Cox. It's like the equivalent of our like Rogers. And, uh, Mm. it's a big, big, like a big company. And I was like, oh, this isn't a troll. This is sure. real. This is like a, a sub company of, of this massive conglomerate. And then I was like, well, this is, I guess, not unfamiliar. Like we've done so many discussions about, I remember it would have been what, about two years ago, we were talking about like micro targeting, like the ability to deliver yep. ads when you like, you know, go into a specific Starbucks or geofenced area and all of these third party apps that allow, you have to sign off on their, their rights. A lot of them are microphone access. Like if you open up your settings in your, in your smartphone and go to privacy microphone, you'll see what apps have access to it. And if you've given one of those apps permission to listen to you, chances are they are listening to you. It's probably been anonymized so that they can't track it Mm -hmm. back to you in like a, a personal perspective, but they can track it back to your advertising ID. So if you mention something like car Mm -hmm. lease is expiring, I'm yelling at my phone now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what I'm going to get back. It just, just like another in a weird long line of companies inadvertently inviting a bunch of trouble on themselves by confessing that they're doing something <laughs> sort of dodgy, but trying to spin it up as being even dodgier because they think it sounds cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, very interesting one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. So we've got to active listening. We've talked about all the big tent stuff. I ranted about crypto for way too long. You ranted about crypto for a hot second. I'm sure there's something we're forgetting. Folks in our Discord have been like dropping some really fantastic stories. Totally. Um, I know there was one from that that I wanted to mention that I'm totally ghosting on. Oh, the nuclear story. Nuclear story. I was going to say we should also thank patrons. That's a great (laughs) But Let's go. Let's go. We can talk about the nuclear story. Let's let's go to patrons and save the nuclear story maybe for the new year. I actually think that there could be maybe um, an interview to be done on that. So why don't we we'll save that bad boy and go ahead and thank okay. some patrons on Patreon. It's been a minute. We've dropped two interview episodes since we since we've done this. We got some names to get through, my dude. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think our last one was P. So which means was P that I would like to cool. thank and welcome Broderick Duncan. Thank you, Broderick. Broderick Duncan, thank you so much for your support. Micah Sanchez, thank you for your support. Scott, drop that great name. Diego Fierro. 
Thank you for your mm. support. Daniel Fletcher. Quality. Thank you for your support. Everett W. Thank you for your support. I'm going to throw this one back to you, buddy. I saw that coming. <laughs> Agata Stasiak. Thank you so much for your support. Ian May. Thank you for your support. I saw this one come in and I practice it. Wurzelbumpft. Wait. Thank you for your support. Wurzelbumpft. Yeah. It has no vowels. If anyone's trying to guess, uh, I, I'm not going to spell it, but it has no vowels. It's challenging. Wurzelbumpft. Appreciate it. Robert Hunt, thank you so much. And this last one, we're going to say it in perfect sync to Ooh. ring in the new year. Give me a on zero. Three, two, one. Martin. Martin. Amazing. <laughs> I hope they're slightly staggered. AKA Marty. Uh, thank you all so much for your support. AKA Big Marty. Thank you for your support. That was disastrous, but um, well, this has been a really fun year making the show. We've experimented a lot in the like format and what kinds of stories we cover and who we interview. And everyone's just kind of kept up and stuck with us through the whole thing. Uh, oh. And it just means a lot. And we really appreciate you being here. Did we miss someone? No, but I'm just going to give a personal shout out to Tonsko. Um, he's a very active oh, yeah. uh, person in our audience and, and is what I would now call emperor of our discord. And he's been a great help. And I think we just need to give him a real solid shout out and a thank you from, from both of us. So thank you, Tonsko. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Thank you, Tonsko. Um, like holding it down in that community and just like bringing cool story, just cool dude, bringing cool stories. And we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Next time we're in the UK, beers are on us. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. So. I'm excited for next year. I think we've got some really fun uh, interviews and stories lined up. Got some little some stuff we might check out. I think it's going to be a really fun year. We've got Hotline Hacked. We've got all that content in the hopper. Just getting, just, just sitting there, simmering like a stew. How getting uh, tastier every single day. <laughs> do we want to maybe talk a little bit about plans for next year? Do we want to I think so. maybe mention that we're planning on trying and like doing a few more different kind of styles of episodes. So maybe going to do like an entire episode on gaming one of these days because Jordan and I, and we obviously Ooh. chatter about it at, at length during these episodes, even though like, yeah. So hacked gaming could be like a special episode format that we might create mm -hmm. and try on the, on the Patreon and then maybe drop it mm -hmm. if it, if people like it. So just a, just a thing. Pretty excited about that. I am excited. I think I'm excited about this year is the potential. So Hotline hacked some game, some more gaming content. We are, we naturally just because of our beat had to expand a little bit and talk about things like AI and crypto this year. I think they're very relevant mm. um, to the themes that have always dominated this show. Um, and I'm sure that's going to continue into the new year. I don't want to speak ahead, but I'm excited. I won't say where, but I'm excited to do some boots on the ground reporting Ooh, this upcoming year. Nice. Uh, maybe maybe we uh, we hit the road a little bit. We go to and, Russia. Uh, we I'm go to Russia. Go to, we're going. We're going to Russia. We're, we're gonna go find all the ransomware gangs, and we're gonna make a documentary totally. docu series about them. That'd actually be great content. I'd watch that. That would, that would actually be, that would be <laughs> very very good content. Netflix hit us up. Yeah, Netflix hit us up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to try some of that. Holland, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's gonna be a fun 2024 for the hacked community. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Happy, happy new year. 
Happy holidays. Happy New Year, my friend. And we'll see uh, you. I hope everyone listening had a good good holidays. We're going to catch you in the next one. And we'll see you soon.